Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. In today's episode, we sit down with my friend Chase Hancock of the popular clothing brand Skinny Water Culture, and we have a laid-back conversation about a number of topics, including fishing the flood tide, needed changes for the outdoor industry, the joys and many challenges of raising kids, and of course, his art and work with Skinny Water Culture. Chase is a Jacksonville local and knows his fishery well, and I got a chance to spend some time with him on his home turf, and we had a blast chasing tailing redfish, and I learned a lot. I think you're really going to enjoy our time with him. If you are enjoying this podcast, please make sure to subscribe to it wherever you listen, and please continue to share and spread the word. We hope that you enjoy. This is the Captain's Collective. Success is a gift. Excellence is the only thing to strive for. Uh, he, 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 right. tried he tried to eat it. He tried to eat it. Hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. He got him. He's on it. Uh, two butt caps off the rods, filled them with tequila. We took a shot and out we went. There, there ain't no getting into it after that. It's, you're, you're hooked. It's a bad habit. And all the time, Flip's he's standing there ready to go for a tarpon. And he turned around, he says, you talk so much, you're like a senator. Well, hey, Chase, thanks for hanging out with us and coming on the podcast. Yeah, man. Can you go ahead and give us just a little bit of background about how you got into fishing and, and what your childhood was like here in Jacksonville? Yeah. Um, so growing up in Jack's, uh, I was pretty much raised on a little farm on the north side of town, uh, with my, <clears throat> my grandpa and it was about 10 acres. There was a little pond on it, but, uh, um, Did y'all have like ducks and, oh, we had, uh, goats, chickens. Uh, it's one of my I mean, I was, we moved away when I was four from there to, um, Hexer drive, uh, on the water. So mm-hmm. the rest of my life until I was in my twenties, I lived there. But, uh, I, I remember so many things about being out there, uh, waking up to be able to scoop chicken feed and feed the chickens and get eggs and all that kind of stuff. And, um, it was cool. I mean, uh, <clears throat> the North side of Jacksonville then was a lot different. Um, I mean, that's 30 years ago and now it's so built up and crazy, but I mean, growing up there, uh, my dad was always into fishing. Um, my grandpa was into fishing big. Um, he had a, uh, big, <clears throat> I think the first boat I remember going on was like a 30 foot pro line okay. with a cutty. Um, very skinny, very skinny. Bro. Yeah. Super skinny water. Uh, <laughs> my mom and dad sp- uh, would spend the night out there. Uh, we just, I mean, offshore fishing kind of mm. was my introduction to fishing, which everybody knows for a kid getting into fishing. I mean, that's what you want to do. Yeah. Every two seconds you're pulling up something, you don't yeah. know what it is. And that's, that's the best part. Like you're in the Creek, you know, I'm going to catch a redfish. I'm going to catch a trout. I'm going to catch mm-hmm. a flounder here. Uh, maybe a sheephead, <clears throat> but offshore, I mean, you could pull up a squid. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun. And like as a kid, you know, you, you 
you grew up on the, you started on the farm and then you got into living on the coast and you did deep sea fishing. But right. when did you kind of get into what you're into more now, which is like the skinny water yeah, stuff? Yeah. So, um, I moved out, um, my mom and my dad separated, uh, when I was right at four. Um, everything was very, uh, amiable <laughs> between them. So it was fine. Uh, we got along, um, but I moved out there and, uh, my dad actually built the house <clears throat> we lived in. I mean, on Hexer drive back then was nothing like it is now. I mean, everything was cheap. There was no Dames Point bridge. So the, the big bridge in Jacksonville to connect the two. Mm-hmm. So you're basically separated, um, have to go through downtown to get around to the other side of town. <clears throat> um, but lived out there, uh, went to school and then... 12 years old my dad trusted me enough to get a first little aluminum john boat and had Mm -hmm. a trolling motor i'd zip around the docks after school just catching whatever i could catch i'd fish off the dock every day Uh, i mean it was if if someone ever said it was in them to fish like it was i was bit by it and never never let off the throttle my whole life growing up so i was fishing off the dock if i had that chance i'd Uh, like I said, I had my first little boat. I would get home from school, do homework and off to catch something. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, and from there it was, my dad seemed, it seemed like every other weekend my dad was bringing home some other boat and usually it was a nicer junker boat, but, uh, about 15, uh, I got, my dad bought a, um, a 15 foot whaler with a 70, uh, Johnson two stroke on it. And that boat, I mean, that was like a little race boat to me. It yeah. was so fast with that little motor. Um, and I went everywhere. I was clapboard Creek, sisters Creek, Brown's Creek. Uh, I got my first job. Uh, my neighbors at the time, John and Felicia owned, uh, Brown's Creek fish camp uh-huh. and got a job working there. Little, uh, um, worked, super early in the morning, like <laughs> child labor laws probably wouldn't like it now, but I mean, I was, I was there all day and, uh, loved it. I mean, I, I got paid to do like be around fishermen and talk about all the stuff we did and I'd bring home bait and, you know, go fishing and mm-hmm. do everything I want. I'd get home from school and get in the boat and go. How, how did you get into the art side of things? Because you're a graphic designer at skinny water culture co-founder um like how did you get into that in the midst of all that uh yeah i mean i've always been into that too um my grandma which i spent my dad worked a ton um and i spent almost all my days i'd come home spend with my grandma and uh all summer with my grandma and stuff and my grandma was is a very very good artist um she's a classic like acrylic painter Mm -hmm. uh paints great landscapes of uh the marsh uh herons fish sometimes but just mainly like you know like pure florida like southern marsh and Mm -hmm. and birds and stuff like that and she just i saw her do it and i always wanted to do it and i just you know i probably wasn't very good uh (laughs) when i was little but i got going in it and you know never looked back on that either i've just always carried that with me. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of been like a 
more jack of all trades of, than anything. I've tried to do a little bit of everything growing yeah. up, and but but art and fishing has definitely stuck with me the whole time. And for college, you went into UNF for label design or packaging design. You were telling me about that yeah, earlier. Yeah, um, I went for to UNF, um, started and got in the graphic design program, knew that's what I wanted to do. Wasn't exactly sure like what exact path I wanted to take out mm-hmm. of there. I had no real plan. Um, I just know I didn't like math, so mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything else. Um, <laughs> I had to rely on my drawing. Um, but I did, I, uh, kind of set my focus on uh, package design and multimedia design, both, uh, so motion graphics and, um, and package design and, you know, designed a few little things, but, um, like I said, a jack of all trades. So I kind of wanted to do everything and Mm -hmm. I just, I loved, um, drawing. So just any kind of, any kind of drawing along the way, I just felt like I needed to do it. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, I was talking, so I got a chance to hang out with Von Cochran this morning and, you know, he went to USF and did ceramics. It was like his main focus as far as the art went, but the degree there. But I was talking to him about how I think a lot of times when people think about going to art school, getting a degree in art, whatever it may be, graphic design, it's not really something that you kind of picture the stereotypical non-outdoorsman coffee shop, you know purple hair or something like that, you know, it's (laughs) not, but this is really interesting to me too. When it's somebody who's coming from an outdoors background, bringing in that fresh perspective, were you still kind of influenced a lot by your childhood with fishing and, um, growing up on the farm when you were in college or. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, uh, as far as art and stuff, I still would say that myself and probably Vaughn, I can't speak for him, mm-hmm. but a lot of people like us, I mean, we don't necessarily completely fit in. We kind mm-hmm. of, we can sit back in the, in the classroom in college and kind of like just, you know, Were have you a drawing little, fish and stuff. Oh yeah. I did all kinds. I did. Yeah. Uh, we have, so in college, uh, some of the main courses you take, uh, they make you do certain things. So like in, uh, in design, there's uh, an acronym CRAP, um, which stands for contrast, um, contrast, repetition, alignment, and proximity. And that is like design principles. So we had to basically design a, uh, a poster that had those design principles, illustrated them in whatever way we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I refused to use CRAP <clears throat> Um, which everyone else did. I got mm-hmm. kind of a knock for it, but I used carp. Um, the same thing, but yeah. I drew a carp and like had some carp on there. And I don't remember the exact details of the design, but it went along with the design principles. And, <laughs> and, it's going to uh, leak. It's going to be the next shirt. Yeah, it's it was. A uh, it was. Uh, it was carp instead of crap. And I remember I got in a little bit of uh, heat for not sticking to the strict. Yeah. Uh, guidelines but it it got a good grade and it was it was a pretty cool design yeah so i have a quote here that i'm going to read and uh, i want to hear about the background of how you got connected with everything at skinny water culture but it says back in 2008 vince and i made well let me read this the way that let me say this the way that i read it (laughs) all right do it 
Back in 2008, Vince and I made eye contact and instantly knew our futures were intertwined with epicness. That's how I read it. Is that right? Okay, that is that is really good. Um, it's a little bit of a stretch <clears throat> because we didn't really make eye contact. We did, but it was through the phone. Okay. So, but we can do that. <laughs> we have that uh, kind of connection. Yeah. So we're uh, we're definitely like uh, positive and negative sides to a mm-hmm. battery. Like we need each other kind of to work and feed off each other, but. I'm probably the positive side that does all the work mm-hmm. and uh he's the negative side in a good way that uh that brings just what you need to to have the positive the personality work. and yeah. <laughs> and how did you guys kind of how did it all begin with that? Yeah, so culture? um in 2008 we back when the uh internet forums were all the rage um we met on the Florida Sportsman Forum by chance. I was, I guess we were both members on there for a while and haven't, hadn't really crossed paths, but I had just, uh, uh, I was just out of school, out of college, and um, just messing around, basically. Uh, I had a pretty, not a boring job, but mm-hmm. just a straightforward, make some money at a school job. And uh, I was messing around creatively outside of that and drew some digital illustrations of a bonefish um, using my tablet. And uh, there wasn't really a ton of like digital art back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, but not in like the fishing industry. Mm-hmm. So like it was kind of a, you know, being in school, you learn like trendy things going on and you mess around with the latest and greatest. So mm-hmm. bringing that kind of into fishing, um, I drew like a, a bonefish like digitally and kind of, you know, a little wild. And uh, Vince saw it, called me or messaged me on the forum, got my number, called me, asked me, could I take it down? And we should talk about putting that on shirts um, his, I remember him saying, basically, uh, we can't pay you yet, um, <laughs> because we don't make money, but we'll figure it out. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm down. And that's how it started. And ever since then we've been together making dreams come true. And anybody that knows Vince knows that he's a character. Even <laughs> if you just met him in, sh- in a short passing, what's your best Vince story? Hmm. You know, we were kind of talking earlier too, about every time we get together, we, uh, we, I end up making a, a design or something like mm-hmm. he inspires some kind of funny something to come mm-hmm. out of me. Um, it's, it's almost impossible for me to tell my favorite or funniest event story. Like I can't literally think of one because literally every time we're together for more than a few hours, something happens mm-hmm. and it's just like, it all runs together into a pile of mush. He's mm-hmm. just, like you said, anybody who's met him, he's that guy that like, <laughs> you're, you're either, if you mesh with him, like things, magic starts happening and mm-hmm. you're just on a cloud of hilariousness <laughs> for the next, for the next few hours. But I mean, we've had some, some great ones. Um, <clears throat> uh, every time it seems like every time at iCast, cause we're stuck together all week. Yeah we get into some kind of, uh, funny situations, but I mean, fishing, definitely, um, fishing with him is just a trip. He, um, he's just now, uh, getting into pulling a boat. So 
that's good. Yeah. Um, sharing some bow time, but a lot of designs, especially if you look on the site and see like the always waiting, never ready with the skeleton, with the tangled lines all around them. That's, uh, that was from last year of Vince fishing expedition where he had shot after shot after shot of redfish. And he seemed to always be uh, a little tangled up and yeah. barked up when he, when he had the time. So, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's impossible to stick my finger on a specific story, yeah. but I mean, it's every, <laughs> I, I love that design. The always waiting, never ready. It's a true statement. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the phrase that a lot of people say, Oh, caught you with your pants down. Oh yeah. There's your next one. That's for sure. Caught you with your pants down. <laughs> Looking for that sticker right there. Um, so why do you think that skinny water culture has had such a um, success in a cutthroat industry as apparel? Because there's a lot of apparel companies and <clears throat> there's no shortage today, at least, of people who are doing designs and putting them on t-shirts. But why do you think it's resonated with people so much? Yeah, for sure. Um you know, I mean, skinny water culture started and it was literally for so long. I mean, six, seven years, we all pushed in and put everything into it and uh, literally didn't make a living. We we had other jobs the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like we weren't using that as income. I knew a lot of people now are like, oh, I'm going to make a shirt company. That's going to be my job. And they fire all the stuff into it and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, with SWC, we've just, it's just been, I think it's worked because it's purely been passion. Like Mm -hmm. it's, we would have given up on it long ago if we had to make a living on it. Like it just didn't work. I mean, now fortunately enough it is, but for so long it was, I mean, every ounce of our passion and creative outlet outside of our normal jobs was forced into that. And it was just, I think that resonates with people. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of apparent in some ways that like we're, we don't have to do this. Like in the beginning, we don't have to do this to make a living so we can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And I think that's given us freedom to just do some funnier stuff, some crazier stuff, more creative. And, you know, if, if something we make doesn't work, then, Oh, well, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think uh, a lot of that, a lot of that comes from, from just like I said, being able to, to put our creative energies outside of work. And now that we can really focus on it, it's been, uh, it's been another whole step. I mean, the main thing that that now has brought is that we're able to create our own stuff. We're not using any blanks that everyone else can use or whatever else. Like we started mm-hmm. to in the beginning, everything we make is like hours now. So mm-hmm. it's cut and sew and all of our own materials we handpicked and everything is like getting on point. And you guys have still like you, you've developed a brand that is fun and it's distinct and um, I, it's recognizable. Like, I mean, I can see something you could take the words off, but like I think about the triple tail that's sitting under the buoy. It says it's a trap, you know, that one, um, and even if you took away any markers that says skinny water culture, <laughs> if I saw that, I would be like, that's definitely skinny water, you yeah. know? And I think you guys have developed a fun brand that is unique in an industry where there's, you know, there's lots of great apparel companies and shirts out there, but 
it kind of stands out yeah. and I think it resonates with kind of a fun. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I've definitely come into definitely a style of my own as far as design. And then, like I said, the other thing is being able to kind of, you know, riff off of anything and kind of have that freedom to, to make whatever we want and not be forced to, mm. this is what's, this is what's trendy right now. And this is what we have to make to mm -hmm. make, we want to make, we want to sell X amount of shirts this year. So we need to make these in hunter green and this color blue that's trending. And that's how we're going to sell it. Like we try to look a little bit at that, but we also stick to our guns and make what we want to make yeah. and not take the risk. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably common for people to get in a situation where they took risk early on cause they didn't have anything to lose for lack of a better phrase. And then you start to play it safer as it goes down the road and you can kind of lose a little bit of that flair that got you there. Right. And I mean, we're, we're not completely immune to it. We've, we've had to, you know, we do cater to like, I mean, you see some of our line from last year and it's a lot of blues because mm -hmm. people buy blue stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, so we kind of like, eh, maybe they're just buying blue cause that's, it, what's yeah. given to them yeah <laughs> but, well it's, it reminds me of like a band that's like you know i don't want to sell out i don't want to sell yeah. out you know it's kind of a similar thing to music you gotta you know? walk the line yeah you gotta walk the line um i'd love to like to so tomorrow we're getting a chance to fish the flood tide together um and i think that's a really cool thing like when i think of jacksonville and i think of the fishery here that's what pops up in my mind as like the big kind of standout thing at least yeah. could you give us a, a talk through about the culture and fishery of Jacksonville and a lot of people listening to this probably know some of the, the joking culture of Jacksonville, <laughs> you know, kind of gets trashed, I think a little bit. And then could you also just explain to us like the phenomenon that's the flood tide? Yeah. I mean, fishing in Jacksonville is, um, I mean, we're super blessed right now, especially, um, just with, how we've been blessed with basically water quality, water quality. We haven't faced really any issues, um, like they have in South Florida and stuff, which like I said, is, is a major blessing, but I mean, I'm not saying we're immune to it, but just luckily we're at the head of the river. Mm -hmm. Um, we have the ocean and <clears throat> a lot of clean water and not really so much like runoff and pollutants and stuff to, to deal with here. So, as far as that, Jacksonville is, is really nice. Um, it's not as far as fly fishing and like technical inshore fishing. It's great because I mean, there, there's definitely a good amount of people who do it here, but it's not like Tampa Bay and the keys and stuff. So mm -hmm. we still have, I mean, I can go out on a Saturday to some of my spots and not see another boat the mm -hmm. whole time I fish, which I fish all over Florida and there's not many places mm -hmm. that you can do that. <laughs> that's a, that's something I cherish. And this kind of, this kind of held me here this long is just to, I mean, I can go out by myself with no other angler and, uh, just pull myself around and, you know, uh, have a blast just looking and not seeing anyone else and mm -hmm. watching fish move and not even really cast sometimes. Um, but yeah, that, <clears throat> that's really, uh, unique and and the flood tide stuff i mean it's pretty much from from us is uh saint augustine gets some and then all the way up into the carolinas georgia and carolinas 
Um, that's kind of unique to our area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's awesome. It's the, we get some flood tides in the spring and, uh, the fall, like right now we're kind of wrapping it up, but mm-hmm. we still have a couple good ones. Um, we've had warm October, so the, uh, the water's still warm and, and the fish are still happy. So, but yeah, the fall flood tides, man, it's just, it's something that is super special up here and the it's hard to uh describe just how awesome it is when you just you have that early morning or late evening flood uh the sun's either rising <clears throat> with the tide and you know uh all the little feeder creeks are pushing in water that uh just filling up and the redfish and stuff and they know that it's going to flood. Like they know when mm-hmm. the floods are. So, cause they act totally different when the, when the water's rising into the feeder creeks, <clears throat> the redfish will actually be just right on the edge of the grass line, basically with their nose up in the air, mm-hmm. their eyes out of the water, looking for grasshoppers, uh, fiddler crabs, just riding on, uh, branches or little pieces of grass, this floating in the water. And you'll just hear them. Um, you can kind of tell when it's going to be good because you'll be just staging up waiting for the tide to push up onto the flat and you'll just hear all around and it's just redfish like slurping crabs and and grasshoppers off of uh, debris floating in the feeder creeks waiting to get onto the flat. And And how how much higher is it than like a normal height? You you know, know? it depends on the area, but I mean, um, it's like a summer a normal summer tide um we could go from like a you know like a zero or like sometimes we get a negative tide very rarely but like a zero or one foot to to around like four four and a half five foot <clears throat> so anywhere from you know five foot of swing and then the flood tides we can have um i mean some days we'll have eight foot mm-hmm. a tide so uh it's crazy like it's with that much more water, it's just, everything's a little bit more abrupt. Like mm-hmm. you have a super hard push in, like water's just raging, flowing because it has to get a ton more volume in and the mm-hmm. same amount of time. It's just a lot more water moving. So as soon as that tide switches, you only have <clears throat> a little bit of time left and it's just pouring out to mm-hmm. get back out. And, uh, the fish know that. So they, uh, once it starts moving off the flat, they, they don't stay up there too much longer mm-hmm. and they start pushing off and then your, your day's kind of done. But while they're up there, they're milling all around and looking for anything they can possibly find to eat. Mm. It's really cool. And if, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen footage of flood tide, I definitely recommend you go check that out and look at some photos online because it is a really cool natural phenomenon that happens along this side of Florida. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, can you talk me through the perfect, as detailed as possible, the perfect approach on a tailing redfish? The perfect approach. I want to go from what boat you're in to the whole thing. I'll paint right. the picture. So I'll here. just paint the picture of you tomorrow on the bow. Paint the picture. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to get up nice and early. We have a 1030 high tide where we're going. So, you know, you want to stage up and be ready. It could start flooding, especially how big the tide is tomorrow. Um, the flat could be flooding an hour and a half early. Mm-hmm. So we'll get out there. 
um, decently early. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Like ready. duck hunters. Yep. <laughs> Flashing <laughs> sitting, people with their flashlight in, away from the Sitting spot. in the mud. Um, but no, uh, so the tide will be moving quick, pushing up, filling up the flats, and we'll be, you know, peaceful, calm, slick. You'll be on the bow. Mm-hmm. Decked out in skinny water culture Decked gear. out with your uh, freshly tied fly. Mm-hmm. That's going to cost you 12 bucks if you lose. Um, <laughs> water will be pushing in. Like I said, breadfish will be listening, basically. Um, crawling back in the creek, pulling slow, just listening for those popping fish. And <clears throat> we'll move up to them. Um, you know, it's going to be pretty calm. There might be some rain, but that's okay. They don't mind, um, unless it's super heavy. Yeah. But push up in the grass. You so know. do you hear them first? A you'll, lot? Yeah, you'll definitely hear them if they're, if they're out and active in the, uh, in the feeder creeks. Okay. Like you'll hear them popping. Um, and then once that feeder creek kind of overflows into the flat and the water starts filling up the flat more and more where there's, you know, a good foot of water on the flat, we'll start pulling up into the grass over the bank <clears throat> and we'll, you'll see like basically like a flooded grass field and uh, just a few sprouts of grass out of here and there. And basically you're at that point on, you're just looking for any kind of tail flick. Um, sometimes, like I said, they'll still be nose riding up with their nose out and their eyes out of the water looking around. I mean, just like puppy dog and looking for something mm-hmm. off of a table. Um, and I've seen them eat grasshoppers, you know, try, um, Fiddler crabs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Snails. They'll suck snails off his limbs. Um, but yeah, we're just pulling up, looking for one, digging How, how close do you usually, are you able to get to them usually? Um, you know, most of the time these fish, uh, if they're happy and feeding, you can get you can get where you're only making like a 30-foot cast. So mm-hmm. not, uh, not super far. Okay. Obviously, ideally, you want to stay as far away as possible but they're generally not uh at least in the areas i fish they they can differ but they're generally not super super spooky okay um but yeah i mean you get that cast in front of them where they're in the direction they're going and if they see it i mean they're going to eat it they're up there to eat so if they see that fly in front of them right without spooking them they're slurping it down for sure and gotta have a weed guard Gotta have a weed guard. <laughs> what else? Any any other tips, points? You no, know, weed guard. Um, the only tip is when that fish is uh, getting close to your fly and you know he's around, like rooting around, you gotta you gotta be in the right spot at the same time. They're they're nose down, rooting in the little mud and in between grass shoots, and they're not looking, you know, ten feet in front of them or five feet in front of them or two feet in front of them. They're you know, they're a foot to six inches. So sometimes, uh, depending on the weather and stuff tomorrow, we could, uh, we'll try some gurglers too. Mm-hmm. I got some weed guard gurglers and, and, uh, if they're on top looking around or even if we, they're moving from spot to spot, um, not tipped up, but you can pop a gurgler and, and they'll, uh, they'll smack it for sure. What about a grasshopper looking gurgler? I'm throwing a lot of bright neon green foam gurglers. Cause that's what those, the grasshoppers are out there are, uh, well, the summer and fall grasshoppers are just, you know, about two and a half inches long and bright, bright green. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you, they'll eat that all day. 
All right. Now I want to talk a little bit about some <laughs> quotes I found about culture, um, skinny water culture. All right. Um, but also about kind of not just a buzzword, but actually like caring and, and thinking about um, the fishing culture. And, and so I got a quote it says in the future, this is you. I hope to focus more on bringing awareness to the culture of fishing. It's not just an old man sitting in a stream anymore. It can be as exciting as any other sport. It's all determined by your attitude. Could you just elaborate a little bit on like what you're hoping to be able to bring to the fishing culture or enhance or enrich (laughs) in the fishing culture? Yeah. I mean, well, for saying that I'm going to bring something is, is a push, but I mean, I don't think of myself that highly, but, Mm -hmm. um, I, I just would like to see, you know, when uh, a lot of times I'll s- people see a tattoo on me or something and they'll be like, what is that? And like, I'm like, it's a fly. And they're like, oh, you fly fish? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, in, mm-hmm. in salt water? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. still the, you know, that the majority of people around here, I mean, it's getting better for sure, but the people who don't fish, mm-hmm. <clears throat> let alone fly fish or whatever, they just don't know. Like they, when they think fly fishing, they think stream um, which there's, I just had the opportunity, like we were talking earlier to, mm-hmm. to fish up in Denver for the in first time Nikes. in my Nikes, uh, on a stream for dry flies for rainbows. And it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I love that, but I mean, as far as pulling around hunting fish, I mean, mm-hmm. it really is close to hunting as you can get. I mean, you're, you're not sitting there blind casting 400 times, um, a day you're, you're stalking fish hunting Mm -hmm. them looking for your maybe one or two opportunities in a day and uh and it can get especially when it's you know a nice fish or something you can get some good adrenaline off of that oh yeah but uh but yeah as far as like expanding the culture um just basically want to to try to to widen the, uh, the audience, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, and I say that and, and now, especially I feel in the last, you know, couple of years, people are really, um, starting to, you know, just with society in general, um, starting to accept more of everything, you know, it's just like in general, more accepting culture, Mm -hmm. um, which trickles down to everything. So, I mean, I feel like people now can say, Oh, where 10 years ago, you're like, oh, you like to fish? That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, even in high school, I was kind of like, oh, man, why are you mm-hmm. fishing? But now it's like high school kids love to fish. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, through culture and everything else, it's uh, the culture of acceptance is making things um, easier for kids to, like, do what they love and uh, other people to explore different things that aren't so mainstream but still really fun and and I hope uh, it continues to get even better. What responsibility do you see different, whether it's an apparel company or uh, just a regular fishing company that makes product? What responsibility do you see those companies having in trying to help improve culture with fishing and the next generation? You know, I mean, <clears throat> as a company, it's hard um, to every company has like they're obviously like their bottom line and everything else they have to do. Like some companies that are obviously huge have a lot more 
um, to lose. So, I mean, it's hard to, to like force something on like saying, Oh, you need to do this Mm -hmm. because this is better for the culture. But, um, I feel like everyone needs to have a balance. Um, you know, at least, I mean, Patagonia is great. They do, they try to do so much. And I mean, they were famous for having a campaign a while back saying like, don't buy this jacket for one of their jackets. Um, just saying like, Oh, you probably don't need another jacket. Your jacket's fine. And it was a great little ad for their company. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like a lot of people could, could, um, could benefit from that. I mean, we try not to force anything down your throat. And I feel like as a company, it's responsible to like, no, we want you, like, if you want to buy like everything we make, awesome. Like we mm-hmm. <laughs> appreciate that. And trust me, we need it more than Patagonia, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, you don't have to, we want to like make companies focus on like, don't make people feel bad because they can't afford the latest and greatest because they don't, you don't need it. You can fish with a 25 year old fly rod is good or better than any new fly rod that comes out every single six months now. Yeah. Um, um, I think just a little bit more focus on being genuine with people and, uh, helping them appreciate maybe what they have and not so much on having to get the latest and greatest every time. And I've definitely felt that tension of just consumerism and companies want to make money and they want to sell things and you don't get upset that a company wants to sell things. That's what they do. But then at the same time, like trying also to not feed into a, a culture that we just live in that is very consumeristic. What are some other things that maybe you feel like companies should, you know, consumerism maybe being one of them, like, but what are some other things that you think that companies could try to help improve, whether it be consumerism or is there any other things you think? That yeah. I mean, <clears throat> another thing too is like I said, um, spreading the, the kind of, uh, you know, spread the gap a little bit of people who you target, um, make it okay to put a little, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, I mean, maybe a little black kid and a fishing ad. I mean, it yeah. sounds weird, but I mean, why not? I mean, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't sound weird, yeah. but it, like to them, like it's a foreign concept. Like mm-hmm. why can't like anyone fish? Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be a white, either young girl fishing or, you know, an old man throwing a rod in a stream? Like mm-hmm. just because that's the way it's been just with everything else. Like we can't continue on a path of sticking in our old ways if they're not necessarily conductive to spreading uh, a more accepting culture across all the things that we're interested in. Exactly. Yeah. And my, and I have a three-year-old who's black and she's all like, she loves going on the boat and she talks about when I'm four, everything, she's three, everything's when I'm four. <laughs> oh, when yeah. I'm four, I will, you know, I'll yep. go hunting with you. When I'm four, I'll, when I'm four, I'll have a pink boat. My son's the same way. Yeah, He's she, like, when, when I grow up, I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Well, she always says when I'm four, I'm like, no, when you're older, when you're older, when I'm four. And, um, you know, she wants to, she keeps saying that she wants to have a pink boat. She wants a pink boat, which I'm definitely committed to trying to get like an old John boat, oh, kind of yeah. like your setup, and you then just to. take it somewhere and get it like <laughs> nice pink painted. She's going to be out there. But yeah, I think it's, you know, one of those things that companies can try to not just like make money, but see something in the fishing culture or see something in the industry and say, Hey, we want to help try to make this a little bit better. 
And I appreciate companies like Skinny Water Culture, Patagonia, that are trying to do that and not just trying to make money off of an industry. Yeah, I mean, we've always tried to <clears throat> like expand. Basically, we've we've been associated with and like helped out plenty of people that like other companies probably wouldn't mess with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not. I mean, they're great people. And I mean, uh, Jen, who's a big part of the company, mm-hmm. she is. Uh, she's absolutely amazing at like hosting events and like finding these like niche little demographics and parties and stuff that we're like, we would never think of, but then she's like presents it to us to, to help like, Hey, let's do the Christmas party for so-and-so. And I'm like, yeah, perfect. Like, why does it have to be, why do we have to raise money for a certain thing that's already mm-hmm. getting all the attention from this industry? Mm-hmm. Like, we can we don't we can spread our wings and and influence stuff outside and maybe hopefully bring stuff outside of this industry in and expand mm-hmm. it in a in a way that's like generally better for everyone in what ways like there's some obvious ways being an artist would come into like the fishing side of things as far as like tying flies but do you find it helping you in other areas as an angler um I mean, I think being an artist changes, um, a lot of the ways you just look at, at situations and a lot of the ways you just look at, um, everything around you. I mean, I, I, I definitely feel like I see things differently than, than a lot of other people and, uh, not, not saying like that's special or anything, but I mean, I'll, I'll be fishing and, and look off into some trees and see some, you know, negative space or sun shining through a certain way and just have an idea for something or, mm-hmm. or get inspired or just, you know, I'm able, I feel like I might be able to appreciate certain, uh, you know, just moments and scenes better. I think a lot of that comes from, uh, being a dad too. So, yeah. well, that was my follow-up question was, <laughs> you know, we talked about this at dinner. Where do we eat again? Uh, safe Harbor. Safe Harbor. Awesome food. Yeah. Savannah crab soup. Crab Savannah. Crab Savannah soup. Yep. And then I had fried shrimp. Yeah. Blackened flounder and something. Puppies, French something blonde. Oh, uh, Raging Blonde. Raging Blonde IPA. Yep. Awesome. Or it was, it's not an IPA. It's a something blonde pillow. Okay. All right. We'll we'll post photos and everything. (laughs) Awesome meal. Awesome time. But we were talking about this some about like, what ways has being a dad impacted the way that you approach your graphic design and approach the way that you do fishing? Gosh, it's, I mean, it'd be easier to talk about ways that being a dad hasn't affected me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd it's, be less interesting. It's hard. It's hard to, um, you know, everyone likes to tell you like, wait till you have a kid. Like you'll, you'll know what love is or you'll know, mm-hmm what this and you'll change your priorities. And like, when you don't have a kid, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't want, I don't want to not want to fish. Yeah, like yeah, I don't yeah. want to not do the things I like to do anymore. Like mm-hmm. that sounds terrible, but it's, you can't explain it to someone who doesn't have a kid. Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> even with a kid on the way, I was like unaccepting of how things were going to change. And I was just, you know, you kind of afraid you're like, I don't want to lose all these things. But I mean, when it happens, you're just like, all right, all I care about is what's best for this man and yeah. <laughs> and what uh, what we can do together and the things he likes because it really turns into like, 
what makes them happy makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, like I said, it's hard to explain, but I mean, you lose some things like some, some of the, you know, your lesser passions fall off and you focus more time on the things you really enjoy and the things that your kid enjoys. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I mean, luckily my kid so far has loved every moment of being on the boat and mm-hmm. fishing and, and, uh, He's not so much in the art yet. He's not like his dad there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he likes to make messes with, mm-hmm. with paint and we try, yeah. but, um, you know, he's only three, so yeah, that might come. But I mean, uh, as far as changing me for it, I mean, it's, you know, I just, like, like I was telling you a minute ago, it's, uh, everything I look at is in a little different light now. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you have a little bit more perspective on things that are important and, when you want to take time to, to enjoy certain moments a little bit more and, you know, everything's a little sweeter Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of the time, you know, when things are good, it's good. Mm -hmm. And you talked about one of the things with having a three-year-old is you're, you're dusting off some old conventional tackle. It's kind of getting you back to your roots a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. About, uh, so for the better part of 20 years now, I've been, I pretty much have not picked up a spinning rod like maybe on a couple well for sure on a few times uh offshore fishing or mm-hmm. something like that but like if i'm inshore fishing anywhere it's been with a fly rod mm-hmm. um and like i said i have a little uh skiff now and no trolling motor like i haven't the last few boats i've had and i've had plenty um i've had no trolling motors and mm-hmm. you know now that i have a, a three-year-old and obviously my, uh, my wife comes now too. So, yeah. uh, having that, uh, whole equation is like, Oh, I need a troll motor to kind of better shoot these. And now I need, uh, my wife's not kind of going to throw a fly right yet. My son, I'm not going to trust him with that yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when you have a three-year-old on the boat, you don't just have somebody like pushing the boat. You have to have a handler. You oh, can't be up there on the pulling platform that's, with that's a three-year-old up front, you know? Yeah. So someone's got to be someone's got to be focused on moving the boat and somebody's got to be focused on containing the kid. Yeah. You know? So that's, uh, hopefully the, um, we've had a few little trips out with the trolling motor and it's made things a little easier. It's kind of still like juggling, but, um, a lot, uh, a lot easier to manage than being on the pulling platform up in the air and having to kind of, <laughs> we have a wild cat in the building. That's awesome. Um, no, it's been, it's a lot easier than, uh, managing the pulling platform and jumping down to, to bait a hook or get a hook mm-hmm. out of a leg or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last section, we're going to, we're going to have some fun. We're going to do some rapid fire and we're going to introduce a new thing that I stole from hot ones, YouTube interview series where they eat hot wings and interview people. We're not eating hot wings. Uh, but they have a section called explain that gram meaning Instagram photo photo that's posted online. Uh, and I got two. All right. And so you're going to have to, you're going to have to describe to the audience what's going (laughs) on here. And then you can, uh, explain to us just in brief what, what is the full context of it? And I'll put these in the the blog post on at captainscollective.com. But we'll start with this Instagram has been a wild... um, We did a deep dive. A wild ride. Oh, look at this. So this is... (laughs) So this is actually my neighbor's um, yard across the pond. Um, We live on a little 
it's actually a really big pond. It's, I would call it a half lake. But uh, across the pond, we have the, uh, I can't comment too much because I was going to say crazy cat lady, but we have three cats. So we're, yeah. we're on the cusp. No. Um, but, <laughs> I feel like double digits. Well, no, I don't know. Well, that's, oh, God. Um, well, anyway, this Instagram is a uh, my neighbor's house across the pond with about 40 to maybe eh, probably 15, 20 ducks and uh, quite a few cats. It's kind of like a little Where's Waldo page. <laughs> um, but yeah, she uh, is kind of a lover of all animals. I drive by there sometimes with my son and there'll be 15 cats lounging in her yard in the front yard, um, the backyard is kind of like a free range area. Animal sanctuary. But yeah, there's a lot of ducks and a lot of cats back there. And Does she, she feed them? Yes. She, um, starting about right now, we, we started to get some migratory birds in our pond and, uh, and, uh, there she comes out with corn and just chunks it and, uh, feeds the cats and the ducks. Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting to watch. <laughs> That would have been my dream in high school. <laughs> I would have been uh, hunting out of a, a mock uh, little propane grill. I would have been like hollowed out a propane grill sitting in it or something. All right, here's the next one. Pulling it up. That was a deep dive. Yes, very deep dive. This isn't even, we're going even, we're mm, going right. deep. I feel like all my interesting life Instagrams happened well before my son. All right, this... <laughs> This is Vince on one of my old tablets. Okay, I thought that was uh, Zach Brown. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, you know. Wearing got a fedora. A, okay, this is the uh, fedora and uh, necklace knife uh, stage. <laughs> he was channeling full pig farm here. Um, he looks to be trying to draw something from memory and looking at a little uh, cheat sheet on his phone. And he has a Bud Heavy in his right hand. <clears throat> and yeah, he has a pig farm uh, permit pig shirt on with a little uh, <laughs> necklace knife and fedora. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one from his house. Are there any skinny water culture fedoras left? Oh, I don't, I don't think those ever made it past <laughs> They didn't the, make it they past didn't make it, uh, here. Yeah, they're on the cutting room floor, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got a few fun uh, rapid-fire questions for you. Um, I know that you love fly tying, and you you take it really serious. Mm. What is your pitch to why fly fishers should consider tying their own flies? <sighs> you know, honestly, I can't pitch them to tie their own flies. Um, I know a lot of guides, you know, don't have time. Like that's a big thing. And, uh, you know, some people with time tie the best flies. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. My next question is who in your op- opinion is the second best apparel company or brand behind skinny water culture? Hmm. Wow. That's a tough one. I would not, I mean, you know, I get a lot of influence and I, I grew up, um, with the surfing brands and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'll have to say like, um, I like a lot of the stuff that RVCA does, Mm -hmm. uh, Ruka. They, uh, 
they do a lot of stuff for like uh freelance designers and have stuff like that and uh I like a lot of their stuff and styles and and uh yeah they're probably one of my favorite brands to mm-hmm. kind of they they feel fresh all the time. Mhm. If you were to have a spin-off company called Deepwater Culture, what would your first design be, you think? Oh man. So being from Jacksonville, man, we have a a really really big um Wahoo culture here. Okay. Uh Lots of Wahoo fishermen and um, my buddies and my buddy Kyle and Brian a couple of years ago got uh, uh, well over like a hundred, right at a hundred pounder. Um, they get some big boys up here. So we'd have to do a, a Wahoo. I've drawn a, quite a few Wahoo. I have some drawings on my computer and stuff, but okay. it'd probably be a Wahoo design. So you guys recently went to Oman. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Oman. 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 All right. Oman. Uh, Oman on a trip. What was the most fun part of that trip? Um, pronouncing the town we stayed in, Ashawayamia, was the, the actual town. Ashawayamia? Yeah. I can say that. I just can't <laughs> say Oman. Go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the hard ones you got. Yeah. Uh, dude, that trip is insane. Um, anyone skeptical of it? I mean, I would put it on your top five list. It's, uh, everything is huge there. I mean, they get milkfish, GTs, uh, endopermits, a couple other species, golden trevally, uh, queenfish, bream, giant parrotfish, cobia. I mean, what's your, what's your like, what's, what's the fish for you over there? Ah, it's hard. There's so many. I mean, I I didn't get a golden trevally last time I really wanted to. Uh, I went there saying if I caught a, a endoperm, I would be happy. And I caught one and mm-hmm. I have to say I was, ha- that made the trip. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of those over there, a lot of good shots at it. Uh, that has to be <clears throat> definitely one of the best experiences fishing wise in my life, but mm-hmm. everything over there is awesome. I mean, there's so much to see the mountains, um, the, uh, the, I can't remember the name exactly of the, uh, things that come down from the mountains and make like these crazy like paradise looking pools and stuff. But it's just the, everything over there is awesome food, yeah. culture. Camels. I saw some of the photos looked awesome. In what ways has, I know you like to skate and surf. Skate, skate, skate I skate surf. a lot. I'm ready to get back into it, but the, uh, I wait till it's cold. All right. How has that culture influenced kind of what you've done as a graphic designer with Skinny Water? Because those those are kind of two separate worlds in my mind. Yeah. um, I think we pull a lot of uh, the rebelliousness from skate and surf. You know, we kind of the the way we want to do things are on our own terms and, and, you know, kind of make stuff that we like um, more so that appeals to the the mass. and we've done good with it. I mean, it's, we're as grassroots as it can be. Um, you know, all of our Instagram followers and stuff are grassroots. We've never like paid or done anything crazy mm-hmm. like that. So, um, but I mean, it's, uh, I think a lot from the skate, skate surf culture, especially like Volcom and stuff like mm-hmm. that, just like the, you know, the kind of in your, in your face a little bit. Yeah. Without being obnoxious. It's just, it's more so, you know, the, the doing what we want on our own time and not 
you know, submitting to corporate America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, screw the man. Screw the man. All right, here's a let's do a couple fast favorites. Favorite dish to cook? Oh, tikka masala. Okay, we need to go back to that. Favorite <laughs> design that you've done so far? Oh, I'm going to have to say, you know, a close one. Sorry, it's taking longer, but that's a, that's like choosing a favorite child. Oh, it's okay. Um, bad perm is definitely on the, okay. the, the one, one seat, I would say. Okay, that's one of my favorites. Favorite uh, artist? Artist. Um, any kind of artist, or are we talking? Let's keep it visual visual artist you know um mm. visual artists <laughs> it's gonna be really funny but i literally like a lot of kids my age grew up with bob ross mm-hmm. and i really do think he's probably one of my uh, favorite <laughs> hey he would be thrilled Favorite band? Mm, dude, that's hard. I'm going to have to say... Uh, <sighs> I'm going to have to say Mastodon. They're okay. probably my favorite band. Is there a favorite song? Uh, Leviathan. Okay, okay. All right, so if you could... Well, one, let's go back to that favorite dish. Mm-hmm. What's what's your general setup there with that? All right, Tika. Um, you know... It's, I like to do, um, you want me to walk you through the making yeah. this? Yeah, it's pretty simple, you yeah. know, it's really simple. Yeah, I want to walk So through. I got this, um, there's a, there's a seasoning. It's kind of a cheat. Well, it's a real big cheat, but the, the main seasoning is called like Petex. And now it's hard to find. It comes in a pack. Um, it's just like the, the actual dry seasoning and that's what makes the you know the curry and everything else is in there but um i mean basically you're putting uh some chicken on the stove i like to use breast Mm -hmm. um if you want to use dark meat that's fine but two breasts a little bit of olive oil butter let them cook up shred them up then add the uh the seasoning packet patex if you can find it um and, uh, you know, let that simmer, you add a little bit of water to it. Then, uh, once it's simmered in for a little bit, you add some, a uh, little bit of heavy cream and chop up some cilantro, okay. mix it all in, um, put it on the rice. That's Boom. it. It's awesome. Delicious. I, now I'm kind of hungry again. <laughs> if you could go back and tell a young chase fresh out of UNF, some advice, what would you, what would you tell young chase? Uh, Man, I would say um, push harder for the things that you like to do Um, or maybe phrase it, push harder for your passions and uh, the money will follow. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Push harder for your passions with like a, a, now I'm thinking about, I'm visualizing a push pulling. Yeah. Yeah. On standing on top of the word passions. (laughs) There you go. Trying to give out free subliminal designs. Subliminal designs. No. All right. This is the last question. And, and I ask this to a lot of people and I want you, you can be artistic with this, but you can't plug skinny water culture. So I have to start taking I that away never. from people. 
What would you put on a billboard if, if you could put something on a billboard for every person to see on the way to work or water or whatever it is every day? Um, I think it's a Howard Stark um, saying, no amount of money ever bought a second of time. Mm. I'd put that up there. Mm. That was good. Any last words that you want to add in or anything you're excited That's about it, up and man. coming? I mean, I'm excited to... to you know, keep uh, pushing on with everything and keep skinny water culture rolling. Hopefully grow it without uh, breaking some of our beliefs. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's been really tough. And But, I mean, we're uh, more concerned about staying true to ourselves than making giant amounts of money right now, which may change, but yeah. <laughs> not anytime soon. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and hanging out with us, man. It was awesome, dude. Appreciate right. it. See you. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the Captain's Collective. If you could do us a favor, make a quick note, send yourself an email, do whatever you need to do to remind yourself to take some time to share this podcast. Every little bit that you do goes a long way for us, and we really appreciate the support. Thank you again. We hope that you enjoy. This is the Captain's Collective.